podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Oh, and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit cheerier than uh, than Kevin and Andy are. I'm all right. Um, I don't, well, I, I don't know. Is it is it I'm, time to be cheery? I'm warm. I'm dry. I've got my health. Someone called me Scrooge in, on on in on Twitter in February the other day because of the pod. Scrooge. Like, oh, yeah. So well, Scrooge is. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he a year cri- round. He, he keeps Christmas in the heart all year round, yeah. exactly. So, well, and, and he runs a business on an even keel, a lot like Palace try to. So, you know, something to be said for that. Yes, yeah, too. Yeah, I um, I wasn't at the game on Saturday because I was. Uh, Were you busy being embroidered? No, uh, I, was, I, was rehears- I was rehearsing a show at the uh, Tower of London. So it's the first time that a beef eater has ever told me that Palace have lost. Really, yeah, and he took great pleasure in doing so. I have to say, but I've seen the uh, I've seen the extended highlight. Was that one of their waiters, or was it <coughs> the, the head chef at Beef Eater? Beef Eater. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, don't, say <laughs> don't say Don't say to, that, to their face. They're very proud. Speaking of better of businesses than women. Beef Eater, yeah. um, <coughs> we, we are Tower of uh, London. The beef is not Beef Eater. Oh, sorry, different kind of Beef Eater. <coughs> well, the Beef Eater gin do have to pay the money every year for. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. For a license. Yeah, oh, for the image. Just have to pay anyone to drink that we, filth. We get paid, uh, I think, to uh, promote our sponsors, actually. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a little segue there for you. Yeah. Um, it's like, so, J- it's <laughs> like JD's in the room, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, the, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Vector Printing. Uh, that's Vector with a K. And then also uh, JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Uh, visit jcis.com. I will. There we go. Great. Well done. Um, I've rehearsed this. JD's also asked me to remind everyone that Vector have actually produced two T-shirts for us, for FYP. Um, And you can buy them at, I believe it's T-Shirt Monster uh, slash FYP. Yes. And having modelled them. I'm wearing one at the moment, actually. Andy is wearing one at the moment. So it looks a lot like the picture JD wearing one, except I don't look like an undernourished child with a vitamin deficiency. (laughs) So just imagine that. And, and looking a little less like Hayley Cropper, and then you basically got what the t-shirt looks like. He looks very thin, apart from his his guns, as he likes to call them. Well, his muscles. Which he's had a haircut now, so he looks even thinner. Has he? Yeah. No. Uh, for the more portly listener, by the way, don't go for the XL. You, you need the you need don't. the one above XL. The XL is not as. <laughs> we XL call it the endercock cut. <laughs> the end, endercock cut. Right. Yeah, millet, um, millets might be your best bet for the proper size. <laughs> I, I would say that I think we're kind of delaying speaking about the inevitable, aren't we? Relegation. Um, yeah. I'm well, seeing if we can go a whole hour without talking about Palace. Here. I know. Yeah. Um, how is your weekend? Well, well, it was fine until I went to Palace. Palace. <laughs> yeah, apart, from, um, apart from the beef eater, but it, it was, was great, yeah. It was pretty awful, wasn't it? I mean, it, I, I guess the, the you could argue that the first half was probably, we were put on the back foot the minute that the referee gave the penalty, which 
I would say was probably justified, but with a caveat. And then after that, finally after halftime, we came out and looked a little bit like like we had some intention of actually doing something with the match, um, only for our defensive frailty to kind of mm. let go. Did would you say that that would be the 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 su- a decent well, summary of it? I, I, as I said, I only watched the sort of extended highlights on Sky. It's, I, I think we're all a bit disappointed because we were quite bullish after a nil-nil draw, uh, one-all draw with Swansea last week, and I thought that we would come out of the traps. It's slightly worrying to hear Pardew talk about not being able to find the right balance at the moment, which is pretty much his job. It's annoying that we've lost the left back for the next. I presume it'll be three games. Uh, I think yeah. it'll just be it just, one for it? that because it's it's only violent conduct that you get. Oh, it was, okay, right. it so wasn't a very nice challenge, but they, they right. I, I think <clears> if <throat> they thought it was particularly bad that type right, of challenge, okay. then they might make it make it up to three games. Uh, yeah, on, the, on the other hand, we've surprised. got the FA Cup game notwithstanding, we've got a bit of a rest before the next league match. It, it, things are a bit more optimistic about Balassi. It looks like. Addy Bayer will get a couple of goals. We just need to find a way of properly working towards him. So yeah, it's it's that was a disappointing result actually. I was because we were really excited. I, I yeah, I, was, I talked about that Swansea result being as good as a win in the circumstances, and I I just didn't see that happening on Saturday. To be perfectly honest, especially with Watford's recent form and the fact that we've got a really good record against Watford mm-hmm. for the most part. So I I genuinely didn't see that happening. And and the first half performance, I just don't understand how that could have been allowed to happen, really. I, I mean, it's just... I think there's a real psychological issue. I, I mentioned it in a in this five points thing that we do on the, the website, mm. and I think that there is a psychological issue that we had this... We have a game plan, and there's <clears> obviously... <throat> that, that seems to be drilled into the players from about Wednesday onwards, from, from just from what I've picked up from... Um, you know the, the documentaries that we that Palace have done mm. uh, for American TV, um, and we have this game plan, and everything is all about you know it's all about getting getting into their mindset that this is how the game should work, and this is how if mm. we play our way, it will work out. And then we were doing that, and then for ten minutes, uh, ten minutes into the match, I think was it ten minutes when Jednak sixteen sixteen minutes into yeah. the match, you then end up in a situation where the referee makes a decision which is completely and utterly justified but to me I think that there you could argue that at that point in the match perhaps the referee should have actually pulled them pulled both player pulled both teams captains to one side and said look I can see there's some pulling going on instead he let it carry on and then Jednak obviously ends up giving a giving a penalty away um, well, there's, and, there's, that, and that that wrote off the game plan because from that moment on they all just kind of heads went heads dropped. It was amazing seeing it. Well, there's actually there's there's three issues there. The, the first one with the referee, yeah, it's, it, it, it is a penalty. But if if you're going to give that one, you've got to give six or seven penalties in the game. There, and that's, there and that's, opportunities later uh, in the match yeah, where he pulled them both. To, uh, yeah, know. and that's that's fair enough. I don't mind him giving that. I don't because mm. a lot of referees view those incidents in a different fashion. I don't know referees. So I've been there. Referees will sometimes go into the dressing room before the game. Some referees will say, look, I'm all over the pulling thing. I will penalise you. Some referees will go in and say, I don't give a monkey's do what you want. I'm not going to penalise you. That is what it is. The the heads dropping is a worry because that happened as soon as Bournemouth equalised. As soon as Bournemouth scored their first goal, we knew they were going to get the next goal. And the thing about the game plan is, look, these are professional footballers. They're professional Premier League footballers. If If our coaching staff can't coach plans B, C and D into them or even better 
leave them to their own devices. They should be clever enough and good enough to be able to adapt the way they play once they go a goal down. So these are all little things that are building up and, and making you worried about what is going on behind the scenes because we should have we should have roared into that game off the back of the Swansea result because everyone talked about it being a monkey off our back. Everyone talked about getting off the 31 points. Everyone talked about the newfound resilience back to the old days, if you want. Mm. And then we went out and we played like that against a team that we should be beating. And again, it adds to the home form debate, but it adds to all sorts of things that make you worried about what's going on. We just don't seem to be able to cope with those teams who play in the manner of Watford and Bournemouth and Leicester who really press, but almost do so in really selected parts of the pitch and get in your faces. And every time we seem to have played against one of those teams this season, we don't seem to have come out of our shell. We seem to have been a little bit overawed and have looked a little bit panicked. And it looked a bit like that again against Watford, certainly in the first half. I mean, second half, there was a marginal improvement until for just the most baffling reason ever, Pardew decides to shift it again tactically for a third time in the match and bring on Fraser Campbell, which I just thought was a ludicrous decision, which... I'm going to go so far as to say it possibly lost us the match. Mm. Um, it, I, I, I guess one thing that came from that game was the fact that much as we've all been crying out for the slight retrograde 4-4-2 that does seem to work for other teams, unless you're drilling that into your team, it seems week in, week out, every single day in training, four days a week for months and months and months, it seems that a team who's been drilled in the manner that Palace have been drilled really are going to struggle to adapt to it just like that. Mm. And it might be the case that in certain matches where it's starting to go a certain way like the Swansea match and you can just change it up and hopefully something might work on the fly it's something that really needs to be drilled you can't just hope that a plan B will uh, sort of you know come out fall come out thin place. air and fall into yeah. place without any form of long term working towards yeah, that there kind should of be plan some, it's, it's not it's not the same as Warnock saying we're going to play a diamond today lads the way he did against Southampton on Boxing Day I mean that's a completely different radical shift in the way they play mm. just being able to adapt on the fly after going a goal down should be something that professional footballers can do anyway and there should be other options there should be you know every manager you would hope would be saying to them look this is the plan, but if we're 1-0 down after 15 minutes, either keep playing or we change it to this or we do this or I'm going to do that and bring that. And that doesn't seem to be happening with Palace. We don't seem to be able to adapt to any circumstances. And the thing is, you talk about attitude, under Pulis and for the first part of the season under Pardew, that was us. We were the team of attitude. We were the team that was going away to other places and getting in people's faces and snapping and snarling. And not, and, and not only are we not doing that now, but we don't seem to be able to cope with people that are doing it. And it's not like they... They're doing it particularly well. We're getting bullied out of it by what are essentially championship teams recently. And that's a really worrying sign because Pardew keeps talking about what a big physical side we are. And we're not, we seem to be backing down. Would you say that there's a problem with uh, with an inability to know what the balance is between being maverick and trying to go for the win and kind of seeing that this was an opportunity to maybe get another point? Well, we're, we're, we're leaving the fullbacks so exposed at yeah. the moment and they are not particularly good fullbacks defensively I don't care what anyone says about Joel Ward being good enough for England he's not that brilliant positionally at times he lets the ball drop over his shoulder he doesn't know where it's going at times which he's not, in the first half he's, it happens in the first half it's, it's, it's happened a fair yeah. amount this season and there have been certain performances where he's kind of been given a bit of a free pass as to some of the basic errors he's making that's nothing as to some of Suarez's basic positioning which at times is just Baffling. He'll sometimes want to stick within three yards of Delaney on the left hand of that uh, of the box, and then sometimes just hug the touchline for no particular reason and let his man get five yards on him. And effectively, that's all happening because you're playing a slightly more expansive system. You're not protecting the space in front of the back four. All of a sudden, the pitch is stretched. That back two that we've got in Dan Delaney 
much as they're great and will throw their bodies on the line, they're not that mobile. So if you're trying to play that slightly further forward, slightly more expansive system, they can't recover quite as well. And we've looked so open recently mm-hmm. and we're making so many basic errors and much as I'd love to pin it all on Wayne Hennessy's incompetence, you can't put it all on Wayne Hennessy. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I've seen people trying to say, well, the, the clear and obvious answer is that the defence have just lost confidence in Wayne Hennessy and it can all be attributed to that and that's just a nonsense to me they're making basic errors week in week out and that in part is because those defensive type players that we've got in that back foot are not suited to that system and it's partially that they're just bereft of any confidence at the moment I I think it's not just sorry but I mean the the thing is it was working before Christmas (laughs) that same style was pretty much working before Christmas and that's why we didn't really talk about a plan B that much I know Andy you're the one who's always gone on about it more than the others but mainly in the sort of context of the old game that we drew when we perhaps we should have won. But for the most part, before Christmas, it was working. I think partly it's because it, the thing with Balassi, we know we miss Balassi, but Soiree, I think, misses Balassi more, more than Hugely. anyone because Soiree and Balassi had a really good relationship going. Whether they'd worked on it, whether it was instinctual, or whether it was Balassi being cleverer than we thought he probably was. But Balassi really, really covered well for Soiree and they really they, they linked well together. Balassi dropped also- in when Soiree went forward. Is it worth noting that that they both speak French? I mean, like I know that makes it sounds really naive, but then you look at you look at um, Lee, who at Swansea really struggled on that on uh, you know covering for for Suarez. I'm not really sure that that's it's possible. I don't think so. I mean, it's maybe one of the reasons why they get on well. I don't know if they do get on well together. Mm. It's it's, but they seem to have a partnership. But I think I think. I've heard Balassi speak. I don't, I don't think Balassi's French accent and Suarez's French accent are compatible as such. But I, I wouldn't have thought it was as simple as that. But whatever the reason, Suarez was clearly happier when Balassi was there, and they were clearly working well together. And all the options that have been tried in front of Suarez just haven't quite worked. And instead of saying that's why we look, maybe just for a few games, concentrate on the defence. Don't go. To, forward as much well he's not going to be doing that now because well, of the suspension I guess of, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing you could ask is is do you think that it's a case that we as uh, the, the defensive unit have kind of lost that trust in each other and, and I'm not just talking about Hennessy and Dan and Delaney but one of the key reasons why we conceded that goal against Watford is because Ward cut inside tried to cover the centre-backs because he didn't think they would reach he didn't think they would get the header they, he didn't mm. think they'd get their head on the ball there's also dis, a, a kind of mistrust of the fact that maybe that should have been one of those opportunities for Hennessy to come and collect or punch, which is what um, uh, Gomez did for, for Watford on a couple of occasions. Mm. You know, there's no harm in trying to get the ball clear whatever way you can. But clearly that seemed to be a problem for us. And, and that's happened a couple of times now. And it ended up with, it, it then ended up with Joel Ward getting dragged inside. Troy Deeney standing on the back post completely by himself. Mm. He just needed to take one touch. And Chung Young Lee could have been there covering as well. So well, I mean, it's, it's, it's about how you adapt, though, isn't it? Because the, the the bottom line should now be: look, defence. You've not got both Kabai and MacArthur ahead of you. You've got someone who's a demonstrably worse footballer and passer in Milaj Jednak, who will be the one man you would feed it to. So if you have to keep it simple and put it out into touch very, very quickly, because the only option you've got on is Jednak with a couple of yards of space around him, then do so. But there's not really been that sort of uh, pragmatism. Well, no, and, and just not an acknowledgement that the personnel that we've got there are different now and you've got to become a lot more pragmatic about it. It's just, right, we'll try and play the same way but put out a few different players. We'll try and approach the game in exactly the same way. We'll just effectively play with the same tactical approach because it's not really varied that much despite Jednak coming in for 
MacArthur and they could not be more different as footballers. What do you make of um, Pardew saying that he was disappointed in the quality of the football in terms of, you know, he said that there wasn't a problem with application, there wasn't a problem with the amount of, you know, with their effort, but rather the quality and the, the way that we kept trying to rely on long balls, especially in the first half, that changed in the second half. Well, what sort of team relies on long balls? A, a team that's bereft of confidence. And frankly, it's it, it's where Pardew needs to now be earning his, his salary in trying to pump the squad back up and trying to reboost morale levels because we've seen it at other teams that he's had control of that they go on these long losing streaks and that he's not necessarily able to turn around the morale and to pick the confidence up in the manner that you probably expect to have a manager at his sort of level to be able to do so it when when teams start making those sort of basic errors with their passing and with their first start, just because they're tense, it's because they're you know they're lacking in confidence. They're starting to to really freeze up whenever the ball's coming into them. Their, their muscles are more tense than they normally would be. It's it's not. I don't think down to any lack of application or to them being you know worse footballers than they were four months ago. It's it's a lot of it down to well yeah poor form as well, but also a lack of confidence. Well, the long ball thing doesn't always indicate a lack of confidence because the Pulis's team uh, it's in its pomp we're playing long balls I think that's part of the problem is you've still got players there whose natural instinct is to hit the ball long in the first place because that's what they were sort of brought up doing by Pulis and I think what we forget is that there weren't that many games we played brilliantly in the first half of the season anyway we've we've talked about this before there's only probably uh, West Brom at home Man United maybe a couple of the away games ever in the way but we were getting good results because of the resilience and the shape and the, the compactness and whatever but also we were getting away with it because Balassi was such a useful outball and I suspect that Adibayor and Balassi when they're both fully fit and in the team will make some of those long balls look more effective than they are it's simply that we haven't got anybody up front at the moment who can turn those long balls into into attack or can hold on to them they're coming straight back but I, if we knew the, if you presume that the Palace coaching team are having the same conversation because it, it's not that long ago that we were talking about Delaney and Dan being arguably the best centre-back pairing in the Premier League and our defence being as good as any in the Premier League. So something's happened, whether it's Hennessy, whether it's confidence, whether it's Balassi, I don't know what it is, but something's happened. And I I think there's a, a big case for putting Boateng in from the start now, just for the, just for the energy, just for the being able to cover the, what... Yeah, we love Jednak, and Jednak's clearly a good footballer, but his time has passed for Palace, I think. Because he just hasn't got the, he's got the will, but he hasn't got the ability anymore. He looks two he, steps behind everything. He does. Now, he just, he looks a little. He looks now how he looked when he first came in to the Championship team. He looks off the pace a little bit. A lot of layoffs for injury. All the travelling he's done in the last two years must have caught up with him as well, because that gets into your into your bones, as they say, the cliche. You got Boateng there, who looked good when he came on against Swansea. He's just got that energy, that exuberance. He'll get across the pitch. He's a big lad. He's, you know, he has no fear. And I just think we just need something needs to change, and it's got to change in that midfield situation. So we haven't got enough variety on the bench to to change the back four completely. He's clearly not going to drop Hennessy. So the obvious place to change it for me is midfield, and Boateng seems the obvious choice. I'd, I, what I'd like to see is him starting against Tottenham in the cup game. Just to, so I really don't give. I think like most Palace fans, I don't give a flying toss what happens against Tottenham. Mm. Now, but if we can use it as a, and I hate to sound like a championship team or a League One team, but if we can use that as a, a way of getting experience for some of the players who haven't had a go, then I would do that and let the other players have a rest before. With taking the, the, the Watford defeat was obviously quite difficult, but I guess there, there might be a couple of positives that we could look at. It was, was Adebayor's goal 
an, an example of what Wickham, what we've lacked yeah, in Wickham in terms of that, you know, the, the, that header was, was a nothing opportunity, really. I mean, you, you look at, we've had so many crosses into the box like that previously yeah. where keepers have just come and collected it or defenders have just cleared it. But Adebayor managed to get that extra yard on his defender and uh, struck a beautiful header, didn't he? Um, yeah, I think once, uh, once uh, none of us disagree that he's a, a good signing, and that's that's after just I mean yeah. essentially once, two games of, of needing to kind of get up to speed. Yeah. I think I think once he's fully match fit, he'll get us. He will get goals, and he'll get, and then, get he'll get goals out of nothing as well, which we haven't had from a striker for a long time, really. What about you, Andy? Do you think what about Wilfred Zaha? Would he would you say that he was a highlight as such? Uh, I think he had another strong game. He had another game again where I. I sort of alternated between delighting at what he was doing with the ball and then just utterly despairing at the inability that he's got at the moment to put a lid on his temperament <laughs> yet again he looked rattled and yet again there were sort of opposition players in his ear and you know sly kicks all over the place and fans basing him from it's the other side second time in a row where we've heard the he's going to cry in a minute chant because I think he just lets his emotion show too much well yeah and, and, and frankly if he's going to and he's he's playing out of his skin, and he deserved to win the, the award that he won the other week, so Player of the Month or whatever it is. All will be against a fairly scant sort of competition field in terms of how our squad's been playing generally. Uh, you know, if he if he's going to continue to progress at the top level, he really the, the thing that separates people who have ability at that top level and people who achieve all the time at the top level. A lot of it's psychological, and a lot of it is temperament based. Mm. And if he wants to be a genuinely international class footballer and I think he's probably got it in him actually over the long term he's still very very young he needs to learn how to think like a top level footballer not just to play like it and needs to learn how to act like one in terms of you know not reacting in the way that he does not you know constantly whining to the referee not being the subject of baiting from opposition fans because he constantly looks emotional like he's about to cry there's, there's lots of stuff that he needs to just become a bit more steely about but then again you know he, he, ha- he had another outstanding game at times he was beating men for fun he was creating opportunities his crossing into the box is now far far better mm. could have created the goal for Adebayor if, it's, if it doesn't end up being a, an amazing piece of recovering defending from the Watford defender as it was in the end, you know, it's a certain goal. He, he, he's putting in fantastic performances. My worry is that eventually, at some point, he's going to get himself sent off. He must be really frustrated at the moment, though, because he's having his best spell since he came back to Palace without any doubt, and no one's noticing yeah. because he's we're in a bad run of form. Defeat, yeah. And the and the fact is, of course, he's desperate to get in that England team. And Hodgson's not going to come to Sellers Park while we're playing the way we're playing. No. They're not going to come to watch anybody else. They're not going to come to watch Wilfred. So. He's in the form. He's in. He's playing the sort of football that will get him in the England squad. But we're the only ones who know that. So of course he's frustrated. But it's it's not just down to him. It's down to the senior players. It's down to the coaching and management to to deal with the frustration angle as well. And also it's a little bit down to managing referees as well because we we're yeah we're in that sort of. Everyone complains about refs. We only have to see what um, he was terrible. Club, but, yeah, yeah. He, and he's one of the poorer of the new refs, Medley, but. You only have to see what Atkinson did yesterday and Clattenburg did yesterday, and every club in the Premier League thinks they're hard done by. But we are in a bit of a run at the moment where we're just not getting the rub of the green yeah. from refs, and that that will change. But I think we need to kind of harden up a little. We've talked about this before. We need to get into the ref early on in the game and just yeah. and just senior players need to be saying, "Look, he's getting a battering here. He's not he's not making this up." And and because at the moment referees seem to be targeting Zahar as a diver rather than yeah. as, as a target for, for serious foul play and like Andy talks about the, you know, the rotational 
fouling, which finally the media picked up a little bit on Leicester yesterday, where teams basically take it in turns to foul someone. And that's what is being done as a half. And of course he's frustrated, but it's... I think it's easier said than done just to say to him that he's got a man up and toughen up because he's got to be helped in that. You know, another player, you know, every now and again, we need some of our midfield players to just, you know, and I hate to say it, but, you know, if someone's targeting his arm, give him a whack. Yeah. Or, was, let, him, or it, let him know that we know what he's doing. It was just, frustrating because, you know. I mean, there, there was a, uh, the Watford number 11 who was there, I think their winger, um, committed about four or five fouls in the first half and didn't, didn't yeah. even get a card. And then... He did. A, he committed a fifth foul, and right at the start of the second half, still didn't get a card. And it kind of makes me think, like, how many times? I, I understand that there's a kind of intent to, you know, if it's not, it, it can't be that serious a foul, and then you're not going to book him. But then after five, four or five fouls in a row, where you're well, where you're but, questioning. Well, the there's, thing- two, there's two ways of looking at this. Is there? match of the day two summed it up last night. There's a, the the ex players are going, you know, not every foul is a booking. Right, and that's fair enough. And against Palace, it certainly isn't. And but they're all going on about the Arsenal thing, going about Sanchez showing a ten yellow card. All right, you don't like to see it, but it worked, mm. and it ended up with the Leicester player getting sent off because you've got to let referees know that you're really upset about what's happening to your yeah. players, and we're not doing that at the moment. Yeah. And one of the things we did under Pulis, and I wasn't particularly proud of it, but it was effective. Is we used to crowd the referees, we used to let referees know what was going, on. and you have to do that. You've got to man up a little bit, and we're not doing. We're simply not. We're not going head to head with people at the moment. We're not, I don't understand why that is, and it can't just be because Pardew is worried about you know his his potential England chances and doesn't want us to have stupid sending offs because it's going to happen anyway because we're getting frustrated. We we just have to compete more, and that doesn't necessarily mean tackles. We just got to get in people's faces. We're not we're not doing it. We look we look weak at the moment. We're not. On, a, on a final point, is it worth making a note of the fact that Pardew said during uh, in the pre match press conference that. Uh, Palace are not the kind of team to win penalties, especially at Selhurst. We haven't had a penalty for a, for X number of matches, and then within ten minutes, we already end up conceding a penalty from a referee. Well, I, is that you've fair? Got, you I don't have, mean, it's... The, the more the more the more often we get players in the box. The, the the West Brom game, for example, when Wilf got a penalty at the end, he must have been in the box in that situation twenty times beforehand. Mm. We're taking on Brown. It just doesn't. There's no one driving into the box at the moment with any pace, so we're not going to get penalties the way we're playing at the, at the moment. Yeah. And yeah, it will even itself out. These, these things always do. It will take a lot of evening out, but we will get the luck of the green as we've had in the past with with penalties and bookings for other. You know, so it, it's just it's just frustrating. We just we shouldn't. I, I remember clearly when we were fifth, saying on this pod, you know, this is great, but we mustn't get disappointed if we end up thirteenth or fourteenth. And I didn't. In my wildest dreams, think that was going to happen, yeah. and now it is. And I don't think we're going to de- we're going down, but I can't. I'm so cross. It's come to this, yeah. and I, of course we can't put our finger on why it's come to this. And it can't be as simple as Balassi not being there. But it, it just shouldn't have come to. We shouldn't be having these conversations. And I, I, I don't think we'll go down. The reason being, well, yeah, Balassi. We, we, we'll get to 38 points, and that's that's what it will take. I can't. You know, we're not going to not win two games. And the reason being. Addy Bayer will get some goals, Balassi will come back. And the fact is that Parrish is quite ruthless. If we lose four or five more games, we'll have a new manager. Mm. And then we'll win two or three games under them. Because that conversation has to be had eventually. Yeah. Well, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> well, it has. I mean, so, I mean, it no, it's... Yeah. Bombshell. No, it, but it, it does. How many, yeah. how many more games do you have to lose? Four, six, well, I mean, eight? Yeah. Warnock, and that's in, why Warnock in the league actually yeah. had, a, had, a similar, had similar form to Pardew did. Yeah. And I don't want Pardew. Pardew. I, want, I think Pardew is potentially the best manager we will ever have. And I've, I've talked before, I want him to stay for 
four, five, six seasons. But Parrish is a ruthless man, and we have to be in the Premier League next season for our finances. He he won't. He can't let it happen. You can't. We can't get in a situation like West Ham did and say, well, let's check how good Pardew is as a manager in the Championship. It simply won't happen. So if we have to get the two wins because Pardew's been sacked with six games to go, we'll, we will get it because, you know, with the goal difference, two more wins gives us 38 points. That means Newcastle needs 16 points to get ahead of us and I can't see that happening. I don't, And we will. We'll get a little spell of games. And please I, mean, I, I can't believe some of the, the chat that I'm seeing online where people are talking about it, like it's a really distinct, like not just possibility but a probability at the moment no, like, so, and you're, you're talking about over a 20 game period effectively it would end up being yeah. Palace playing in, in worse form than Villa were in their worst period and yeah. Um, yeah we're on a bad run at the moment but no if does anyone want to look at me straight in the face without smirking and tell me that we're going to only win one game in 20 yeah. it's just you know that's not going to happen but, but I think Kevin is entirely right that Pardew does need to start earning his wage and he does need to start thinking well you know the building of the, the troops morale and the, the resilience and, and all that sort of psychological stuff that is down to me as a manager mm-hmm. it's all very well talking about my man management when things are going well and how I'm putting my arm around players shoulders and saying oh you're playing really well keep it going you or I could do that where, where Pardew should be differing is being able to pick them up again when they're down Yeah, everyone said yesterday that if Leicester had beaten Arsenal and gone 8 points clear they were uncatchable uh, everybody said that there wasn't one football person who said that Leicester wouldn't win the title if they went eight points clear of Arsenal mm. and we're eight points clear of Newcastle with the goal difference nine points clear so no I generally and don't Newcastle believe... actually win football games on Arsenal I generally don't believe we will go down because there are much worse teams and we will pick some points up but it, it, at the moment we look like we're sleepwalking into there doesn't seem to be any urgency Again, which we talked about this before. There's no, you just want people to acknowledge that there is a problem at the moment, and they're trying to find ways of sorting it out. They're going away this week for a bit of sunshine, yeah, and it will change. But at the moment, it's really, really frustrating. And it's just, I, I, I kind of, you know, you get into these complicated battles with fate, trying to second guess it and take fate on in these arm wrestling games, where you're trying to, you know lure him in to make sure you win stuff and I, that's partly why I said all that stuff before Christmas when we were fifth saying well let's not be disappointed if we do drop down the table which is, my way, of, which is my way of saying to fate you know, don't let us drop down the table yeah. but the thing is but we, you know, Street is always talking about reverting to the normal whatever but we're not we're a better team than we than, you know probably eighth or ninth mm. is a realistic position so we're a better team we're a better, yeah, but we're a better team than we are I just want to point out playing at the moment without a doubt. that since changing the music back, we haven't won a single game. After the change yeah. from the music in the first place, we won football matches, just saying. Fair point. Right, yeah, he, didn't on that change, note. he didn't change it back probably, did he? <laughs> on that note, let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, go to part two, um, where I think we're going to be taking questions, and then yeah. after that, it'll be uh, looking at a moment in history, I guess. All right, join us in part two. Welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. I, don't, I don't think I mentioned, but this is pod 169. Isn't it? Um, is it? Yeah, yeah mm. apparently so. Um, and this podcast is brought to you by uh, Vector Printing. That's uh, www.vector.co.uk. And that's Vector with a K. Because I think I missed the, uh, the, the website as well. 
And you missed for all your embroidery needs as for well. For all your embroidery yeah, needs. What is wrong with me at the moment? Anyway. So it's a difficult... You've, you've big, big shoes to fill. I'm big, in as bad form as Palace Big skinny are, shoes really. to fill. That's true, yeah. yeah. It's true, and I've, there's no way I'll feel his... But at least you've shoes. got proper broad shoulders. Like, true, that's true. Yeah. It's Scottish. Yeah. Short shoulders. Um, <laughs> we were, the podcast is also brought to you by. Uh, is that a thing? I didn't realise that I was a thing. Are, yeah, Scottish shoulders. Oh, yeah. Shoulders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do at the Edinburgh Festival every year. Oh, the Scottish yeah, shoulders. Scottish yeah. shoulders, yeah. yeah, yeah. Local <laughs> delicacy. The doors are wider up there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The haggis that we eat. Yeah. Um, JCIS, uh, also a uh, sponsor, uh, the global research and brand consultant to the sea from South London. That's jc-is.com. And. I will. You, yeah, you, well, you said, visit, <laughs> said visit JCIS. Oh, I will, yeah. Um, Never mind. Actually, before we move, I was just, uh, just thinking about what Street you said there. He's a rational diatribe about changing the theme music. It's ludicrous. It's got no scientific basis, <laughs> logic whatsoever. But if you were to change it back and we win the next two games, that means Rob has to host the rest of the, the pod for the rest of the season. So that means you don't have the, to spend any time with JD. Yeah, because that And Palace will still win. Yeah. That'll be the magic formula. Right, what's It'll the downside? The old music. No, it's no downside. The downside oh, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. His Scottish accent is the downside. Is him. Yeah. Well, you would have to have the doors yeah. widened in here as well. Yeah. With the Scottish shoulders. His impenetrable Scottish have, accent. Yeah. What you don't realise is we have a Surrey voice to kind of voice over the bits that I actually say. Because what I do, it's 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 a bit racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my dad's Scottish. That's I can say what I like. Some of my best mates insert. Yeah. <laughs> I've, met, I've met your dad he talks the way you do so he... I don't think you have met my dad didn't he came to a gig didn't he no I don't think so oh who's I talking to then <laughs> oh, oh <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that figures normally it's, it's normally people's mums I've got a bad record with us. <laughs> I don't want to know yeah. have we got um, any questions well quick, very quickly JD also wants me to mention the t-shirts because uh, we've got we seem to have a lot of t-shirts really left cool t-shirts <laughs> that are for sale um one with the FYP logo, another one with uh, JCI, uh, not JCIS, Vector Vector Printing's logo. Well, I said that I'm going to get Vector to do me a JCIS T-shirt. So that, it just, just shakes it up. So that would really, yeah. Um, and they're fun. available from customerwinster.com, I think, forward slash FYP fanzine, I think, yep. maybe. Or something or like podcast, that. Podcast, yeah. something like that. It's T-shirt monster, so yeah. T-shirt monster. We'll probably tweet it out a You really are revoking well. JD's lackadaisical style quite perfectly. It's because yeah. I don't have... I'm, I'm quite I, impressed. So I'm, I usually have notes in front of me that are like very specific, <laughs> and in this case, um, I'm kind of uh, going off the top of my head. Anyway, we're going to go to questions. You're not, um, you're not going to them off the top of your head, are you? No, I'm not. Give me one second. I've got them on a screenshot. Oh, oh. Okay. Oh. And it's uh, more organised than JD. Oh, they actually they? exist. You can see them this time. Yeah, yeah. there they are. Um, and can you not do that thing that JD says, which is thank you for your questions? I'm sorry I didn't get to read them out. Enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. Everyone says enjoy the game. Enjoy, enjoy the, game. the game. Enjoy the game. Oh, and enjoy all I'm game. thinking when I'm, I'm being told to enjoy the game, number one, a bit preachy. <coughs> yeah. If I want to sit there being miserable, then I will. Yeah. And number two, have you guys not seen Palace recently? Are you, say, are you sitting outside when you're saying in, enjoy the game? In my head, when I hear that, I think now I'm not going to enjoy the game because you told me to. Yeah, Exactly. You're not the boss of me. Yeah. <laughs> also, when has enjoyment got anything to do with? Oh, it's not. It's not enjoyment. what we go to football for, is it? No. Enjoyment. We've lost. Oh. We've not. We've only won how many games at home this season? Oh, I don't. I don't want to think about See, that. So you can't even can't even come up with it. Anyway, you ruined my life. That club has. Oh, yeah. Enjoy <laughs> the Since game. Since 1972. Shut the game up, you. Anyway, won the first game I saw, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Jack Pierce. <laughs> Hi, Jack. <laughs> Hi, Jack. He's uh, he's one of our uh, regular contributors. Um, he's asking uh, Johan Kabay for ten million. Or N'Golo Kante uh, of Leicester City for six million. 
does our recruitment scouting need a proper look at? I'm wondering if he was reading my slightly pissed up tweets on, on Saturday evening. And I, I made the point, not detracting from how good a footballer Johan Gabay is, because he is fantastic, and not detracting from some of the good performances he's had for us. Was £10 million in a fee for a 29, now 30-year-old midfielder in a position where we already had James MacArthur and there are the FFP restrictions that we spoke about at some length last week in place and you're paying him 100 grand a week or you know thereabouts, we'll call it 90, 100, whatever, over 4 million quid a year. Was that the best allocation of resources when there were other positions in the squad that needed up- upgrading probably a little bit more readily and, and when you could as you say go into the market and find a Kante would be probably half the amount in wages and, and a far far smaller sum I think it was one of those signings that effectively it was all about making a statement and it was all about basically demonstrating that we are a big club now and sometimes when clubs make signings of that ilk and I'm thinking Man United with Falcao and Di Maria when they wanted to again establish that they were still one of the preeminent clubs in Europe and wanted to put a stake in the ground. Sometimes those signings don't come off quite as much as you expect them to, even though that player might be brilliant. You know, Angel Di Maria is still a fantastic footballer. Johan Gibay is a fantastic footballer, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right fit or the right allocation of resources at the right time. And I'm I'm not convinced that it was the most prudent signing to make. And that is retrospective. And people called me up on it on Twitter. They said, well, I bet you weren't saying that in August. No, I wasn't saying that in August. I was excited as everyone was, but that doesn't mean that it was a good decision in the first place. And frankly, I'm not in charge of transfers or we'd spend it all on vinyl records. I think, I think that we are being a bit unfair in hindsight, to be honest, because we were very excited about him at the time. And, yeah, we talked about as well about Scott Dan saying one of the reasons he stayed on and signed a new contract was because players like Kabai came in. The fact is, we did need cover in other positions, but ten million quid shouldn't have been our one. You know, we sh- we could afford other players. I think Kabai was a really good buy at the time. No one knew Kante was going to turn out to be as good as he is. He's had one brilliant season. We may not hear from him again. Mares was scouted around the whole of the Premier League via video. And eventually came for four hundred thousand quid. No one knew that he would have a freak season out of the blue. It's just Vardy was playing for Fleetwood three years ago. No one knew that he would turn into the player he did for arguably maybe one season. You just can't tell at the time when you buy these players. You don't know. It's like when we buy Balassi. You look at got... Harry, Harry Kane, for example. Yeah. He was at Millwall and they hated him. Yeah. Like, he's one of those players that, or Norwich even, I think he ended up yeah. not playing. Harry Kane well. went all over the place. Balassi is one of those people who went all over the place. No one was particularly excited when we bought him and he turned into one of the best players we've had for season. So. It's you know hindsight is a wonderful thing. With, it's twenty twenty vision. So you, think, in the end, I'd still rather have Kabay in my team than Kante in, could, could, going forward. But it's just you know, no one knew that Kante was going to be that good. Leicester kind of I think lucked out a little bit with the players. Le- Leicester have had all sorts of things going for them: lack of suspensions, lack of injuries. Yeah, if we'd had the same thing, we would be saying, "What a brilliant buy Kabay was." Kabay is a genuinely top class football and he's the fact one of those players have for the next to... couple of years you're going to probably build you know you need to kind of build something around I guess um, well I mean I'd, I'd, I would hope that it will become less of an issue because we'll limp over the line to safety in the summer the regulations that I'm, I was mentioning in brief there and that we spoke about last week will probably I reckon be loosened in the summer anyway so there won't be quite a restriction when he was signed it was kind of to a certain extent putting your eggs in one basket it was saying yeah. you know the one thing we need to put this team onto the next level is that player in that position of a certain quality and he is a quality quality football I don't think that should ever be in doubt and I think a lot of people go what's he done what's he brought to the team that is not the point whatsoever 
I think once we've limped over the line and we've been able to hopefully bring in some of the reinforcements in the summer that we need, particularly given that there'll be some who are out of contract going out and taking a fair amount of the chunk out of the, out of the wage bill to allow to be spent elsewhere, then we'll perhaps see you know the, the, the real quality that he has. He looked better when everyone was fit because he had some better players around him to to feed feed with the ball and to sort of find their runs of. You know, he looked far yeah, better and, when and when Balassi was in the yeah, team, for we, example. We weren't having this conversation when he was he had the most intercepts in the Premier League, second most tackles in the Premier League. After the West Brom game, we were saying what a brilliant player. Mm. It's just you know, if Kante was playing for us, you wouldn't be saying he's the best player of the season. It's like Dickichoy came to us with a brilliant reputation, didn't quite work out. Kante has found himself in a team that's freakishly playing out of its skin and has had every single thing going in its favour. So it's it's unfair to to compare them. But I, yeah, Leicester kind of couldn't attract any other sort of players. That's part of their problem. There was such a basket case last season. Leicester had to look around for players that somebody else wasn't looking at. But that doesn't mean to say that I think we've got a brilliant scouting and recruitment system because quite clearly we haven't yet because we're... We're playing catch-up because Simon Jordan didn't believe in that sort of thing. We didn't want to spend money on on that and rightly so probably put more money into the academy than on a, a national and international scouting system. So we are probably behind other clubs in finding players like that. But I think it's unfair to, to, to criticise yes. because Leicester have ended up with a player who's had a really good season and can buy hasn't been as visible. I and mean, that's part of the problem. Again, we've always talked about it. A lot of people thought Kabai was going to be a, a, a number 10 or a creative midfield player. Mm. And hasn't been so. You, you just can't. You know, they're a different sort of player. He's not the same sort of defensive midfield player as Kante. Yeah. Dan McKinnon. Hi, Dan. Oh, Dan. Um, good asks, question. That previous yeah, one. It was yeah. a good question. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy the game. Um, <laughs> Dan McKinnon uh, had uh, twelve league game. Uh, asks with twelve games remaining in the league, um, how many points do you think we'll have by the end of the season? I think it's going to be probably a depressing forty-two. Forty-two. I don't, I don't think yeah. fewer, fewer than we probably predicted when we were fifth um, we all say at the end of the season I imagine well at the start of the season we would have been happy with this we probably won't be but yeah, we'll, enough I think is the answer we'll, we'll pick up the good thing is we're bottom of the form table at the moment that's yeah. not the good thing the good thing though is that four of the other bottom six in the form table are the bottom four in the Premier League at the moment so you know, we are we are going to limp over the line, but it's going to be a limp. We'll pick up a couple of unexpected. Well, again, I'm not sure. I think I suspect that when the sun's shining a little bit, we will look back on this period and go, "What an awful middle third of the season we had!" But things didn't turn out too badly in the end. But, um, but I think I think I, I think 42, 43 is, is is all right. And at the moment, that's that's what I'll take. But we, we, kind of, there are things to in the future that needs to be addressed without a doubt you know the season ticket prices have been announced this week that's something that needs to be sorted out because the home form really has to be sorted out because you know, I know we've sold 17,000 season tickets already but if I was um, you know, I'm freelance my wife's freelance we can go through periods where we don't get paid for quite some time if I was short of money when I was buying a season ticket I'd wonder whether it's going to be good value because at the moment, it's a bit like paying 40 quid to go to the theatre to see a play that you've seen before that you didn't like, that you know has got an unhappy ending, and going to see it week <laughs> after week. Because that, why would you buy a season ticket when you think, well, we're going to win five games at Sellers Park? You, it's not enough to, to you know, and we season ticket prices and ticket prices have been in the news for the last two weeks, and as it happens, palaces are, are manageable, for, certainly for a London team, and I don't think the club takes a piss out of us for ticket prices at all, but... Why would you buy a season ticket? You, our, our loyalty is relied upon all the time. It's it's assumed this would be 
we can't have a fourth season of terrible home form because this is the third season we've had where our home form has been shocking. And why would you pay that amount of money when you're turning up to watch something that you, you're probably going to be unhappy at the end of it? It's not enough to say you're watching your heroes play. Yeah. It's got to be that that really has got to be resolved the home form. And in terms of in in the end, especially with the new American investors, it's only a threat to the commercial side that will make something happen. But it's got to happen in terms of that home form because otherwise we'll be here this time next season having exactly the same conversation, but possibly with better players. So. It, it, it's, a, it's a cycle that needs to be broken I don't know how to break it as I'm not a coach or a manager but it's got to be the home form's got to be resolved it's got to be we can't um, keep relying on our away form because that will get seen through as it is increasingly we've got another question um, Dan R Hi, Hi, Dan. Dan. asks why is Hennessy not controlling his area and more influential in the box she's at, not a very good goalkeeper at 6 foot 4 yeah. uh, you have to claim the ball in the air he, he doesn't read the game quick enough, his feet aren't quick enough, and he's not got good enough handling. So I think a combination of that and his lack of confidence in coming to, to claim the ball, you know, he's dropped it a few times this season under very little pressure. He did so at Swansea when there was no one around him, and he did so at Watford, and he's done it a few times. Just he's not. I don't think he's the sort of goalkeeper that probably Pulis thought he was when he first signed him. I don't think he's the sort of goalkeeper that his frame would necessarily suggest we've got to deal with it now you know unless you're going to put in McCarthy for the rest of the season just say sink or swim we're probably going to see Hennessy there for the rest of the season I suppose we've just got to sort of suck it up and deal with the fact that he's not going to command his area particularly well and he's not going to take any pressure off the defence which to be fair and to his credit Spironi was starting to do last season he was starting to come and claim higher balls um, I mean it'd be very much heart and mouth type moment occasionally because he come flying out like a leaping salmon at times trying to claim the ball and didn't always do so effectively, but he he would sort of put in an, eff, an, an effort to do so. We're not going to get that with Hennessy. I think it's also think worth mentioning the the throwout that Hennessy uh, tried to perform to Soiree, which actually led to Soiree committing that that horrible I, tackle. I, I think we should try and be fair to Hennessy. He's affected by the same lack of confidence. His distribution yeah. is, without a doubt, his distribution is weird at the moment because he's persistently trying to throw the ball out where it shouldn't be thrown out and that's one of those things you go right well, it doesn't rush to the one to yeah, Suarez was it, a complete mess but. His, his confidence is struggling he's, he's Wales number one goalkeeper he's clearly a good goalkeeper at the start of the season him commanding the box wasn't an issue because we were stopping crosses at source and Dan and Delaney were dealing with most crosses that did come in so but I, I don't think I've seen him claim it. Uh, well, did he claim a cross against Watford? I can't remember if he did. He I got caught that. under the flight of one that he then had to yeah, save. I mean, he did, to be to, to his credit, there's nothing he can do on either of those goals yeah. against Watford. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd never had any confidence that he'd get anywhere near a penalty because that was just kind of in the back of my mind. But you can really blame him for not getting to a penalty. And the second one, you know, Deeney smashes it in. He makes a, a smart save in the first half of the second half with his feet down down low. Um, I... I think it's it's quibbling perhaps a little bit too much to have a real go at him about. It's probably a bit harsh off. to criticise him after this. But Liverpool, I mean, yeah, Liverpool, to, you know, to look at him in that much detail. Liverpool fans this. are in the same conversation about Mignolet. Yeah. Every, he's he is a Premier League goalkeeper. He's not top drawer Premier League. No. He's an international goalkeeper. He'll be at the, the, the Euros. Mm-hmm. But he's suffering from the same lack of confidence they're all suffering from. I mean, uh, uh, you know. It'll be interesting to see what he does with with Suarez out. Whether he puts Mariapa in, I mean Suarez may only be out for the cup game, presumably. But whether he puts Mariapa in, whether he puts Ledley could play left back, whether he puts Ward left back, Kelly right back, as, as happened last season. I don't know. It might be that a change in the back four will, will do them all good. It might. I, I really don't know the answer to that. But 
I suspect Hennessy won't be our first choice goalkeeper next yeah. next season. I, I suspect, as I suspect, Delaney won't be our first choice centre back next season. Jednet certainly won't be first choice midfield. Well, I know some season, people so. disagreed when we said that we thought Rob Green would have been an upgrade. That's you know that's that's an opinion one way or the other. I can see why people would argue it either way. But it did show that at the very least yeah. the club was looking to, or Pardew or whoever, was looking to bring in a new goalkeeper. So you'd be incredibly surprised if yeah. that wasn't continued in the I'd, summer and they, they didn't try to bring in someone else. I didn't think Rob Green would be an upgrade. What I said was... I didn't. I know I thought he would be an upgrade. I don't think they were buying him to be on the bench. I think they were yeah, trying yeah. to get him to be first-choice goalkeeper. So yeah, without a doubt, he'll. I, should, I, I would be amazed if we didn't have two goalkeepers brought in next season. Yeah. Um, uh, let's have a look. Uh, so, what? Another question is: Has the time come to sell Jednak? Who's this from? Um, Who's that from? We, we can't answer the oh, question. Sorry, that's from, that's it's from. from Martin. Could be some oh, chance. Martin. Yeah, it could be a chance. Which um, Martin? We've got some uh, Martins. We've got serious so listeners. He's, he's on Twitter at the Shepherd Dog. Uh, Shepherd's Dog. Oh, that Martin. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The Shepherd's uh, has, Dog. Martin. Has the time come to sell uh, Jednak? Presumably to China. Maybe throwing in Campbell as a gift with purchase. I'm just it not is. sure that you're throwing Campbell. Um, He's been linked with uh, one of the Dubai clubs, one of the Middle East clubs, isn't he? Apparently, after Jednak. From Jednak's personal point of view, it'd make a lot of sense for him to be closer to Australia in terms of his travelling for international games, because I think he'll probably play for Australia for a while yet. It, it's, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's awful to say. Is I hate saying this about any Palace player, let alone one that's been such a good player for us and is such a decent bloke. And he's such a nice fellow, but yeah, it is time. It's I, I, it, if the transfer window is open now, I'd try and say it's just quick, quick. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, if I, I don't care whether it's whatever happens, he he can't start a midfield next. And I, I really, I, I take no joy in saying that, but he simply, he simply can't. We just need to, we need energy and freshness and legs and creativity in midfield. And I suppose the thing to say is that he, he is very much, I'd say, probably, you know, fourth, fifth choice there. I yeah, mean, we, we're, yeah. we're not for the fact that we're shuffling yeah. everyone around, yeah, you know, you'd be having probably much play somewhere well, a little bit missing. Yeah. So we're missing MacArthur. These are two central midfielders who would normally yeah. probably be... But he does look like an accident waiting to happen at the moment, Jack, yeah. and he does, like, the one thing... Yeah, he, he was never brilliant on the ball, but the one thing that he did have in that first season and a half in the Premiership was Premier League sorry was that his sort of skills of anticipation and knowing how to read the game were pretty top notch actually mm. the reason he made so many interceptions and so many tackles was because he was up with the pace of the game yeah. once he got the ball he wasn't perhaps you, quick uh, enough uh, thinking uh, to be able to then move it on but I think the off the ball that thing that is, is now with, starting to slow down but would you say that that comes with sharpness because to be fair to Jack, no. he spent quite a bit of time yeah. in the first team and you know, we went from being a promoted side, then playing in the first season, and then he pretty much played the whole of the second. Well, we season. talked we talked about this earlier in the in the pod, didn't we? Yeah, that with all had, the travel he's done yeah. and the injuries he's had, and there was a time when he, he used to be picked out by pundits because he never went to ground. His tackling was brilliant. He never went to ground. There was always an issue with, and I think Pardew was quite open about this. There was an issue the fact he wasn't there when Pardew took over and then he got sent off against West Ham I mean Pardew always felt that he slowed things down because Pardew wants the ball moved quicker and if it got to Jednak it stopped all all, all that stuff about fitness pace is understandable forgivable what he's lost he used to have this enormous presence mm-hmm. Jednak 
he was the one on the pitch that the players, the other players looked to, and he was never the best player on the pitch, without a doubt. But he, he stood out. He doesn't look. It's a weird thing to say, but he doesn't look as tall as he used to look. He, yeah. he doesn't look as physical. He was the one that went to the referee all the time, and we saw a little bit of that against Bournemouth when Zahar got booked for diving, and Jednak was in there. But Jednak would be the one who stood over our players when they were injured, who who went head to head with people who had fouled us. That presence seems to have gone, and that's. That's what you, you can't get back, and that's why that was something indefinable. You, you, other, you know, Premier League fans would say, "What? Why have you got Jeddah? What's he doing?" It's like you, go, you say, "We well, have to watch him week in, week out," and he had something indefinable. And that's that's gone. That's, yeah. that's that leadership quality is gone, and it's it's almost sad to watch it in a in a in a way. Um, I mean, just, thing is, just very quickly to kind of oh, morph this into a question what? very quick uh, into another question. Okay. Just because I think it's it, it, it can kind of cover both. Right. Um Stuart Norris Hi, Stuart. um asks uh, if you had to pick three players in the squad to sell and replace in the summer, uh who would they be? I don't sell him. Because Jednak is probably... Well, look, Jednak, Jednak, Andy, you were about yeah, to say something about Jednak before. Uh, well, I mean... Before I, Jock, I, I, so I, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, no, I was just going to say that the thing is, you, you know, you get different players in different positions peaking at different ages, and just because of the very nature of how he used to play, Jednak isn't actually that old. You know, he's, he's not 32 yet. But his game just always relied on such a high intensity of energy and such a sort of... Mobility, really, in some ways, he was never sort of super fast, but it was very much a destructive type game. That perhaps his peak was at the age of sort of twenty eight, and I think because of that, you know, that the thing, yeah, perhaps maybe sort of two or three games down the line, we'll do what we what we do as a sort of matter of course on this podcast and recant completely and go. I can't believe we're ever saying that he looks very sharp now, and he's probably going to have enough games now, given the injuries all over the place, to try and play himself into a bit of sharpness. But I'd be surprised were he not to be one of those that is looked to be moved on. In terms of that question, I, I think you know if we're going to try and progress at this level, Fraser Campbell isn't a Premier League striker by any stretch of the imagination. I think there's probably some mileage to try and sell him, but not at the sort of ridiculous price that was being mooted about him in, in the January transfer window. Um, I'd, I'd be incredibly surprised were, were he not to be... And he's young enough as well that you would have thought some club somewhere will be interested in him. You've got to think about players that are going to be coveted by other teams to a certain extent and I suppose the only other one who is going to be really within that sweet spot of Palace not necessarily perhaps wanting them anymore and being coveted by some other teams is probably Dwight Gale again yeah. you know there will be other teams who are willing to pay a bit of money for him I think he probably isn't all that I'm not going to you know impute or sort of infer how, how happy he is but you know he's not playing football all that regularly even when fit under Pardew so I'd be surprised if he's not a little bit annoyed with that and he's going to have a little bit of resale value still, so I'd probably say him as the third for me. I'd be I'd be the happiest person. Like if if Jednet was to have a summer off and come back fit and firing, I'd be delighted. But I'd rather not see it in terms of who to get rid of, as who you bring in. I don't really care who they offload in terms of wage bill, mm-hmm. but we know where we need to to improve. We know we need cover at fullback, yep. both fullbacks, probably centre back. So that's three players you need to be. We, we know we need a maybe, we know yeah. we need a creative centre midfield player, maybe another defensive one. So that's five, and a striker. So that's six. So the question is not and a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper seven. <laughs> the question well, if we if we want to stabilise and move on, the question is not who we get rid of. The question is who we bring in, mm. and I think we are six or seven players short. If we're talking about if we're talking about you know being a West Brom and retaining our place in the Premier League every season 
in 15th or 16th, then we need to replace three players. If we're talking about getting up to eighth where Everton are or should be, then we need to replace six or seven. It's as simple as that. And I, I'm, I don't really care who goes to facilitate that. You know, because they none of us, none of them have let us down deliberately. They're all playing to the, you know, to the utmost. There's no one you could say isn't playing 100. percent Some of them aren't good enough, but that's not their fault. As the street has already said, always said about Fraser Campbell, it's not, it's not necessarily his fault. But we need fresher, more vibrant players. We need cover in a lot of positions. And the, the things I can't see. You talk about players to get rid of. I can't see a lot of lot of. of we're not going to get a lot of money for players we got. Most of them you'd think would go to championship clubs rather than Premier League clubs. Gale is the big mystery because I, it, he could have gone from what we gather, he could have gone to two or three clubs in the transfer window and the club very adamantly he wasn't going, mm. which makes you wonder why he's not getting closer to the first team because he probably would have gone... I can understand the logic because apparently Leicester were after him, Norwich were after him, Swansea were after him. We probably could have got five or six million pounds for him, from what I can gather. I can understand the logic of saying, "Well, we're not going to sell him to teams in and around us in the relegation struggle, for want of a better word." But I, I don't think it's as simple as that. He's not that good a player, but I just, you assume they keep him because he's in part of Pardew's plans. But it doesn't seem to be. But yeah. and it, it, it that constantly amazes me because I still think he could score goals. I still yeah. think some combination of Wicker, Maddie Boy, or Gale, Balassi, Zahar, there's, there's got to be goals in there somewhere, surely. They're, they're players that you would imagine at any other club will be scoring goals. But the, the the big problem for me is next season is going to be centre-back and to, we need two new midfield players. Yeah. Uh, 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 MacArthur coming back could be one of them. But we need some creativity in midfield, simple as that. Yeah. Um, very final question. Uh, from Dr. Wake Stevens uh, on Twitter. Oh, hi, Doctor. Hi, Doctor. He, doctor. <laughs> is that as in Democratic Republic of? Or uh, no, it's not Doctor. So, as in Doctor Congo. I've not heard of the doctor. Democratic Republic of Stephen. Yeah, Doctor Democratic Republic of Awake. Could be somewhere. Yeah, asks yeah. Uh, he asks, would you rather crash out of the cup or just a chance of a fresher team? As in, go with the, go with some young players and try and. We're not going to. We're not going to. The, the, the FA have made it quite clear that they don't want us at Wembley by consistently rigging the draw to make sure that we get Premier League teams to, and, and you know I still I'm going to I'm going to say this until they sue me until they take me to court it's rigged the FA Cup draw it, it it's, you can't simply keep giving Arsenal teams below them at home it's 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 a it's a con. I hope that the part, Emirates Cup at the yeah, you know, yeah. If, Emirates FA Cup. If they're not listening to this and you know them, send it on to them. The FA, the FA Cup draw <laughs> is rigged to make sure that we can't win it. Working on that basis, then let's not worry about it. Okay. And, and as I said earlier on, I would yeah give I yeah play boating, play Gale, give yeah Tottenham is such good form at the moment. Uh, well, actually, I wouldn't put it past Palace with such a perverse team. I wouldn't put it past Ali Bayor to go there and score a hat trick and. But I, I really won't. I don't really don't care what happens. And in a way, I, I almost wish we were out of the cup already, so we we could have a proper two weeks. It's nice though, isn't it? Going for this one of the, the first matches that I've had in a long, long while, where I'm I'm going there on Saturday. Zero expectation. Well, you genuinely will, zero. Like the last time I can remember will, going along, will, thinking if you, if you go there Saturday, it'd be very zero. Expectation. Oh, it's Sunday, isn't it? It's Sunday. Oh yeah. Well, I'm getting there early. Not even on telly. Just on no, Sunday. I'm, I'm just going there early. Um, zero expectations, but yeah, you know, Spurs are going to be riding on the crest of a wave in terms of like Premier League sentiment after 
beaten Man City. They've got the Europa League. If there's probably one thing they wouldn't mind that much this season, given they are genuinely in the hunt now for the Premier League title, they probably won't care as much about the cup as us. So there's a chance. You know, well, the thing yeah. is, there's no point. I think the last thing that Pardew will want is a draw and another game at Sellers Park yeah. for us to lose in front of our but own he's fans. also going to want to go into it with, with a winning attitude you know with, with, he's going to try and approach well, they're the going to they're going to take it seriously but I think <laughs> I do think it's an ideal chance to maybe give Boating a, a, a run out Presumably, Mariapa at left back. I don't know. Why not give Gale to? I don't. It'll be interesting to see how both teams approach it. But I'm. I think the fact that we haven't got a league game this week, there's no Premier League. I think that actually probably really helps us in terms of Balassi's fitness, in terms of just giving us a chance to regroup. I know they're going away for a couple of days to see what happens. It it, it might be that we get a, a really good positive result against Tottenham that then feeds into the league. Yeah. Although it didn't happen against Stoke, we all thought that the Stoke result might be. Yeah, but and it it, it you know it may be that we do do what Wigan did and win the cup and stay up. You don't know, but let's round it off there. Um, join us in part three for the. Does he? Do we do part three for on this day? We do. Part, we do. We do. Yeah, we so do join us three, in yeah. part three. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for all the questions. Show the working. That's always good. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah. It's like behind the red button. <laughs> join us in part three. YP podcast, Yay. and we're now in part three. Uh, after that ultra extended uh, part two, I think it seemed to be a little bit uh, no, stretched it was, it was out certainly shorter was... than last week when Streety did his twenty-nine minute. Of course, yeah, explain uh, what was going on. Ramble, I, 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 I reckon <laughs> plenty of the listeners won't have woken up yet. From no. that, frankly, seemingly some of them didn't listen either because there have been lots of questions as well about finances and everything that's brilliant nice. that's nice okay, I can answer them again yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not going to we, we, we've done the questions he's a, a confidence builder isn't he this one. Oh yeah great <laughs> um, I tell you what to all the people who ask questions about finance download 168 and stop bloody sending in well, questions they didn't, they didn't ask questions I mean that people have made comments on Twitter about oh well you know if only Parrish had spent more money in the, in the window well yeah listen to pod 168 listen to 168 yeah. It's still, having said that, I mean, it was really interesting what you said last week, but it's still hard to come to terms with what it seems to be, what we were told is a, is a well-run, financially secure club that suddenly it almost... I can understand why some fans think this might be an excuse that's been sort of crowbarred in from somewhere. That The system seems a bit rigged, though, when you end up with clubs that have huge stadiums. That, it's as rigged know, as the FA Cup draw. <laughs> The, we know it's the Premier League. It's, of course, the Premier League's corrupt in the same way the FA are. Simple as that. <laughs> Brilliant. Leicester won't be allowed to win it. They'll get. They'll be assassinations. I, hope <laughs> it, I, hope um, I can't stand anyway, Leicester and Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> I, keep doing, I keep doing radio shows and other people's like general football pods and stuff. And he goes, "Isn't it brilliant that Leicester?" I'm the only one who goes, "No." <laughs> kind of Biden cheaty little snidey little Steve Claridge little making um, <laughs> Gary of, happy. Speaking oh. of players that uh, that were accused of. Uh, being diving cheats. Is um, it in this week? It is in this week. Uh, oh, we uh, this is on, what happened a while ago, isn't it? Yeah. Well, back in actually, it was back in two thousand and three. Andy Johnson, then. Correct. Yeah. He uh, he scored his eighteenth goal in sixteen games. Oh, did wow! He? Uh, with the first with a first half hat trick against Stoke, as Palace won six three in that fixture. Um, oh, well, Val- Valentine's Day massacre! I, I seem to remember. Even Michael Hughes scored like uh, Michael Hughes scored a great goal that day where Wayne Routley did a little pirouette championship. on the ball in the championship still. Yeah, I can't remember that at all. Six three, not yeah. 
And uh, Mike, well, that wasn't yeah, the bounce back ability. Michael Hughes goal was beautiful. The one yeah. where he flicked it. That wasn't the bounce back ability game, was it? Uh, no. No. No, I don't think so. so. Wow. Um, I need to stop drinking as much before games. How we could do with the strike? Well, Andy Johnson didn't, didn't Which, dive. By the way, he maximised his falling opportunities. I, I haven't mentioned he this. He felt the contact like Jamie I'm Vardy gonna, did yesterday when he I cheated. I haven't mentioned this, and I'm <laughs> going to get in trouble with, with JD as well because I didn't do the whole JCIS thing. Do we? No, we don't have to. The Victor with the JCIS. I will. I will. Yeah. They're not paying us that much money. Speaking of Andy Johnson, because because he's such a huge figure. He's not, but he's going oh. to be playing for Palace in the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund game at the Amex, uh, which will take place in May, I believe. Oh, he's not taking JD's place, is he? Because um, JD will be furious that a proper he's footballer... He's not, but he's, he, he's rather wonderfully agreed to play. That's um, brilliant. Which well, is a great a, reason to get down to sell. Uh, it's to, a, it's a measure Amex. of... I think we, Andy, one of the reasons that Andy Johnson was so popular at the, the club is not just because of his uh, abilities and his... Attitude, but because of it off off the pitch, he was one of those players that was like Julian is now. He was only too happy to to take part and help out, and, and knew his responsibility as a, to the community as a footballer. Also, player. I know it's a great charity event, but I really hope that he takes it incredibly seriously and, yeah. and just goes all out to try and score eight goals. To, yeah, like eight goals would yeah. be great. Yeah, it. it is a really I'd really brilliant event, goals. and it's yeah. wonderful that two football teams. Who hate each other get together to raise money for a very important event, but I'm fed up losing that game as well. Yeah, basically. So, and I don't yeah. even watch it, and I'm still annoyed yeah. at losing. So if Andy Johnson could score some goals and maybe hurt a couple of people, I'll, be, I'll be there. It's it's, it's a great spirit, charity. It is a brilliant it's, charity. It's, of it's course, for great it's above, causes. It's they do they do all sorts of great stuff in in London as well. They've donated to to, to clubs in around, in and around Selhurst Park, um, youth initiatives and so on. So they they if you can, please please get down there. It's it's a fantastic mm. event. Um, but Andy Johnson, though, is a classic example of. You talked about penalties and referees and whatever. It, it, he was in the box. And how much you know? He didn't do his defensive work. It's fine. He was. If you're always trying to take people on, if you're always looking to get on the end of sixty forty balls, you're going to get fouls. Mm. You're going to get the free kicks. You're going to get the penalties, and inevitably, other. Teams, fans thought he was a diver, but you know the, the Jamie Vardy thing yesterday was a classic example. It it wasn't a penalty, but you'd you'd be a, a furious if your player didn't do the same thing. And that's what the sort of, the sort of thing Andy Johnson was really good at. The sort of thing the Lincoln was really good at uh-huh. making making a defender look like he'd fouled you. And so, I, and he, Vardy did that brilliantly. Yesterday. I'm but, furious uh, that game 13 years ago. I know. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, I forgot Michael Hughes. He was a really good player for a while. He was. Yeah, was he yeah. captain? Uh, he must have been at one point yeah. for a little while. Um, going from managing? a Dowie, Dowie, Crying, Of course, it was, going yeah. from a Palace hero to someone who was a little bit less uh, popular. Oh, Dougie Freeman? A, no, not quite. No. He wasn't. A, he didn't. Wasn't a player. Um, this was back in uh, nineteen eighty-one. Uh, Ron knows again, is it? Uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it always is. And it was. It was actually the transition of one chairman. To another. Is it Bert? Uh, Raymond Bloy. Raymond, yeah, correct. Sorry, not Bert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. About On this Bloy. day, Tuesday, uh, sorry, Tuesday 17th of February, which would have been tomorrow. What, sold, sold to Ron Nose then? He officially yeah. stepped down as the Crystal Palace chairman. Runner, uh, and walked Ron across Nose the Sainsbury's duly, car park with yeah. a... He was duly elected. Oil barrow full of cash. That's right. And uh, You can't well, defend the dead. That was Venables. Um, and then, oh, just a, then just a day later... 
This is it's ironic because the last time I hosted the podcast, these were the pages that I was supposed to read. Oh, so on this day, <laughs> um, just I just, thought they rang a bell. Just yeah. a day later, on the Wednesday, the eighteenth, uh, he Ron Nod stated publicly that he had killed off the idea of ground sharing with Wimbledon. Yeah, which I mean, it's and then what happened? He ended up doing it anyway, didn't he? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> What else can we find? Oh, so I was just, you're just bringing about some really unhappy memories now. So that's all right for you. Like you were kids at the time. Um, some of us were probably grown up adults. Let's see. Uh, what do you mean kids in 1981? How old and haggard do I look to you? I was born to 1984, you bastard. Just, well, you weren't even twinkles in your parents' eye, look. A bit oh, of man. a focus You don't realise what it was like. You weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there, man. It's like Edenbridge. Uh, we're going to have one more. Whole life. You'll be, um, like, you'll be like this in 25 years' time. This is quite it's in 25 minutes' yeah. time. I thought I'd have more control over the podcast than today. You just run these, don't you? Um, right. Tuesday, well, the 15th. It's always a sale of a supply teacher, I'm afraid. <laughs> yourself um, <laughs> after school detention anyway uh, Tuesday 15th of February 1967 oh, oh more like it <laughs> uh, Johnny Byrne mm. returned to Crystal Palace from West Ham for £45,000 £45,000 uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was Bert Head who uh, negotiated the deal with the former England man so what you're saying and is the- Johan Gabay now earns enough in probably three days to pay for Johnny Byrne's transfer fee Correct. Yeah, it was 1967. Yeah. I mean, there are times where that, it's funny that that's it's it, it's one of those meaningless stats. Do you know how they ended up doing the deal? They were on the same train back uh, as West Ham Palace were, and uh, Bert Head decided to negotiate a contract with him at that point. That was probably actually illegal, even then. It probably was <laughs> tapping up. Yeah. It sounds dodgy as anything, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, but just how quaint that sounds that they're both on the same away, same train, and the away fans would have been on it as well. But it's interesting, I mean, it's not that long ago in the scheme of things. Like, and Raymond Bloy was chairman for, what, 15? Much longer, yeah. But it's like those days when the local tradesman was like the chairman of your club forever. Mm. And the manager stayed forever, no matter what. It, it, managers just didn't get sacked in those days. And Burhead yeah. was, and I, Burhead was probably only about 35, he looked 70, but. <laughs> well, well, I've, no, I've, I've gone. You've I lost think me. That's I'm, it. I'm, I think I'm back. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the TARDIS. I'm watching telly on the black and I'm watching football on the black and white telly now. Oh, <laughs> I saw childhood. You can't memories. tell which we've got the white shorts on, so that's all right. <laughs> I will bring that kit back one day when I'm running the club. What the claret and blue? Claret and blue. You've yeah. got to let it go. No, every one of these. No. it's been on 167 no. podcasts now. You brought up that you're bringing back the claret well, and blue. Keep it's not coming back, man. You keep Wait, reverting to the meat. It is coming back if I'm running the club. The, and Jerry Murphy's going to be kit man with the thin stripes. We're talking the Steve Kemba one, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, with the yellow trim. Yeah. That was nice. I did like that. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, I'd go yeah. back to that as well. So oh, well, there you go. Yeah, screw you, Street. Yeah. <laughs> Got a um, petition going. He's now. the best host we've had. There you go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, join us in part four, uh, where we'll cover the Spurs game. And welcome back to the FYP podcast. Hey. Brought to you by JCIS. And uh, vector printing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, the out of Endicott, though. <laughs> brilliant. He's <laughs> not still doing the K, is he? Well, oh, God knows. Oh, oh, Enders. Um, anyway, oh, that's his catchphrase. We're oh, moving on Enders. to uh, the Spurs game. Mm. Um, 
quite uh, an interesting one coming up, isn't it? I guess FA Cup, all that fun. Um, does it matter? Do you think it matters to you that that we win the, the FA Cup game, or are we going to be focusing? Is it more important to focus on the league? I uh, I hate to say this, somebody of my advanced years, uh, a generation that grew up venerating the FA Cup. I, I don't give a flying monkeys about it anymore. The uh, the FA was, I think, we clearly ascertained are uh, corrupt. <laughs> uh, along with the Premier League and Arsenal uh, it, the, the FA and the BBC have contrived to destroy the FA Cup as far as I'm concerned the fact that you've got eight games this weekend f- between Friday and Sunday the draw during the one show with some bored clowns and Tracy Ullman on Monday night I'd, I'd it's one of those games if we you know, if we were to win it you'd go fantastic we're in a quarter final I really genuinely don't care. What I what I want is that we come out of it without any more injuries or red cards. I I kind of hope Adibayor doesn't start. As I know, it'll be important to him, but I just have this image of him trying to prove himself, trying too hard. He's not fit enough yet. I can just see him wanting to be top dog, showing Tottenham fans and Pochettino what they're missing, injuring himself, getting a yellow card, getting a red card. I'll be interested to see how seriously we take it. I think Pardew... Has always said he'll play a full team as much as possible. Well, I just think it's one of those games where that'd be a mistake. I mean, there's a there's a bonus in that. He'll probably I don't think he'll play Mariapa. I think he'll play Ward left back and Kelly right back, and we might have to defend properly rather than bomb forward, which we can't do. But I, I my only hope for this game is that we come out of it with everybody fit and ready and another rested for the West Brom game to be perfectly honest Andy do you think that it could give us the boost Is, I mean we talked about Swansea and the Southampton game and the Stoke game all these different opportunities where it might give us the lift but do you think a win against a, to- a team like Tottenham could actually give us a boost that- yeah I think massively so I think it's, it is a, a bonus game for Palace because we're not expected to get anything there and if we lose in the FA Cup I think much as we'd all love it to be what it was as a competition people don't care quite as much but because Spurs are that higher calibre of opposition as opposed to a Southampton or a Stoke who we've had previously in the Cup and, and, and done well against I think if we go to White Hart Lane where they've done particularly well this season against a team who've been in just imperious form and looked very very good with it this season I, I think the players couldn't help but be buoyed by that and you would hope that even though we thought exactly the same would happen in the Swansea game after getting a draw there, and we thought the same would happen after beating Southampton and after beating Stoke, you would have thought that beating a tight team that's in with a real, real shot of the title at their home ground in the FA Cup, which is a distinct possibility given they'll be a little bit distracted by that and given they've got the Europa League mm. just before, you'd hope that, that the players really would be buoyed by that. Um, I, I still love the FA Cup. I want us to win every match that we ever play, frankly. And this will be no different. I, I nearly turned up 24 hours earlier than I was supposed <laughs> to. Given I had no idea it was Sunday until I did this pod. But anything can happen in the Cup. I know it's a ridiculous cliche, but the players won't be as inhibited as they have been with the league form. They've shown that already in the two games against Southampton and Stoke. And here's hoping that it's yeah, exactly I, the same I mean, White Hart I, I, I really, Of course, I really want us to win it. And I, I hope we go there. And, yeah, and you hope that Tottenham have taken their eye off the ball a little bit and will be a bit complacent. You know, they only beat us 1-0 in the league at White Hart Lane on a day where everybody admitted we weren't at our best and we still restricted them to a 1-0 win we had chances their goal was a mistake by McCarthy as I recall so yeah, we're a Premier League team we deserve to be rated highly against a Premier League team 
I think Esther, you said it'd be no disgrace if we lose them, but I do. I just don't think it's, it's worth taking a risk with with certain players. It, I, it, you know, Balassi, they're talking about Balassi getting back to fitness this week. I don't think it's, don't let him anywhere near that game. And I worry that if if you put Adibayo out there, and Adibayo is a volatile, proud character who will be looking to, as I say, show Tottenham and Levy what they're, what they're missing. I just why take the risk of him trying too hard getting. Yeah, the, the, the focus has got to be the league now, unfortunately. And if if we had forty two, forty four points, I'd say yeah, go for it. If the if the TV money wasn't available next season, I'd probably say go for it. But the fact is, and I hate myself for saying it, on a purely commercial survival level, the important thing is that we're in the Premier League next season. If we were to win the FA Cup, and Adi Bayor was to score his 10th goal in minute I'd be I'd be I'd, of course I would I'd be I'd be swimming naked across Fortnite Heath Pond with a happy smile on my face but I, I just scraping the concrete scraping the concrete and moving the Polish lads aside and, and keeping the women away from me because they'd be so excited <laughs> I'm like especially the elders <laughs> the reason these two are laughing is Mrs Day just turned around with a massive her eyebrows nearly touching the ceiling <laughs> she's, a, um, she's a woman of a certain do, age now. hello I, darling um, I think it's. But um, I just, I just, I, I hate myself for saying it about the FA Cup because I'm of that generation that that does that does love the FA Cup. Of course, it does. I was, I grew up with the magic of it. That magic's gone as far as I'm concerned. And I, it's one of those rare games where, of course, I want Palace to win, but I won't be upset if we don't. The thing I'll be looking at is that our players come for it, not on red cards and unscathed, because sadly, from a purely commercial position, and again, I hate saying it, we have to stay in the Premier League and that's the important thing. For me, I think that there are two things to be hopefully kind of buoyed by. It's the fact that firstly, the the, the squad have gone away um, to kind of perhaps kind of recollect themselves a little bit. And then also Spurs have got a, got a Euro, European mm. game, um, which they might be tired from, which might end up having some kind of, you know, Potentially lasting lasting effect. You just don't know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. To well, exactly. be bit, Spurs it's the got, magic of the cup. Spurs end up getting injured on a Thursday night, and Tottenham, we end up winning on Sunday. Tottenham have got the best squad in the league, as far as I'm concerned. Tottenham yeah. Tottenham have got a really deep squad. I think the going away thing is is interesting because I think Street. You mentioned it. Uh, it's probably before the pod, but you know, talking about things that will break the luck. You can try all sorts of things, and that going away thing might give them a bit of space. Well, it will get them to know because Adi Bayor. When we talked about Jednak earlier on, the one thing Adi Bayor has is presence. Mm-hmm. He he really has that, and I think once the players get to know him, and he, he's a proper leader out there, and I think the, the break will help in that process, and it will help Balassi obviously, and it might be that they. A change of environment means that they sit down and sort of work it out themselves. It, yeah. it, it might be that's that's what they that's need, what and they'll come back be. refreshed. But I, 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 as I say, I hate myself for saying I don't give a flying monkeys. To be perfectly honest, it's the West Brom game is the one. That I'm, I love the FA Cup, so I hope we so win. Do I. Yeah. Let's round it off on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Kevin and Andy, for both joining Pleasure. me as host. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, Join us uh, next week, I guess, for the fallout that will happen after the Spurs game. (laughs) All right, see you then. Bye, guys. Bye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. 
Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sports Social Podcast Network.